Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all-new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Hannah Gatsby writes, There is nothing stronger than a broken woman who has rebuilt herself. That's a shot to the heart. Hello and welcome to Just Make the Thing. I'm Claire Tonti and this show is for people who want to start a thing and keep on making it. And that's me. I'm trying to make this podcast and keep it going. And today I'm joined by Chanel Luchev, who is a lawyer by day and a yoga instructor by night. This show, we unpack Hannah Gadsby's Nanette, her Netflix special, which was also an incredible live show that I had the privilege of seeing in Melbourne and sat in silence and just with tears streaming down my face as most of the audience did. So spoiler alerts all over the place. So I would stop this podcast right now, go and watch Nanette and come back. On that as well, we talk about what it's like to be a woman when you're trying to make things and some more of the things that make it a little bit harder, particularly in workplaces. And Chanel has a bit of a story that's a little bit difficult, but we unpack it as great mates all do. So this is us chatting about just making things. Off we go. Hello, Chanel. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Good. How are you? Cold. But yes. good otherwise. It is very cold mm. in this rainy Melbourne weather. It's a little depressing. Just a yeah. little. It's, 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 you know what I was thinking today? It's hit that point where the novelty has worn off for me because initially I'm like jeans and boots and oh, I yeah. put on the heating and, oh, it's cozy yeah. and scarf and beanies are fun. And now I've hit that point where I've had a couple of colds and <laughs> our little guy's been sick and everyone's a bit trudgy and yeah. miserable and the sky's always really gray and yep. cloudy. And suddenly I'm like, And no, you don't want to leave your house? Yeah. Make excuses not to go anywhere. Or like get out of bed? Yes. I don't want to get out of bed. Mm. And, and being sick. This week also, this is like a massive tangent. We have a topic for this week, but mm-hmm. I, I, just quickly, getting out of, like when you're sick, I don't know if this happens to you, but I suddenly not only just go, oh, I've got a cold, oh, poor me. I go, there is something wrong with everything and me oh, and the yeah. world and my perspective on everything <laughs> and I have never achieved anything and oh, I will yeah. never again and I'm the laziest person in the world. And then James <laughs> has to go, you just have a cold. <laughs> And then you'll feel better. And today I woke up and I feel so much better. Yep. And I feel like yeah. I'm hungover. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. I'm like, I'll never achieve anything useful in my life again. I might as well give up. <laughs> after New Year's actually, like after New Year's Eve, the next day, I was just so miserable. And in fact, because I'm getting older, it took me like a good three days to feel normal again because I had to go back to work like the day after. And I was catching up with a friend for coffee, and I'm like, "What is the point? Why are we even here? What? Why? Might as just give up and go." Home. <laughs> no. She's yes. like, "Oh, she's like, you're still a bit sad. Still got the alcohol sad. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, I must." Do you reckon it's the paranoias as yeah. well? Oh yeah, yeah, because that's happened to me after thirty. Because I'm now thirty-two, the ripe age of thirty-two. <laughs> And I find that I get so paranoid mm. when I get hungover. And I don't get hungover very often for that very reason. Yeah. And the paranoia and the kind of guilt and sort of general feeling of unease lasts mm. for a good couple of days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. And so I Google that as I do. Oh, and yes. I Google everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things like, is it normal if your baby snorts like a pig? <laughs> <laughs> That's adorable. Yeah, I know. Well, apparently it's a thing and it's okay. It doesn't mean they're like have some terrible illness. Oh, okay. just sometimes babies not like pigs in the night. Anyway, so I, no one should ever look at my Google history because it is just, it's a terrible rabbit hole of terrible 
Do you existential think anyone questions. should ever look at anyone's Google history, <laughs> no. though? No, oh especially not that house that you were telling me about today because <laughs> Chanel has been house hunting oh. and had some terrible, terrible experiences. Places with some serious, crazy, bad vibes. Outdoor sex bed vibes sex next to a store <laughs> and hand cream next to it. Okay, here is some advice, people. If you are out there and you are trying to sell your house, do not leave hand cream do next to, on your nightstand next to your bed Ugh. in like the spare Ugh. bedroom downstairs. Ugh. Not it, No, no. Put no. that stuff in a drawer. Just, just hide it. Just yeah. gross. Everyone hide their gross stuff just for house inspections. Otherwise, yeah. let it all hang out. It's fine. <laughs> I'm all for that. Be who you are. If you want someone to buy your house without judgment, then you need mm. to hide those things. It needs sure. to look like no one has ever lived there. Correct. That yeah. no, no person slash animal slash anything has ever lived there and that the garden never gets weeds and is always perfect. Exactly. And it needs to smell not like you've scrubbed it with bleach or anything. No. Maybe like a hint of citrus or mm-hmm. like your friend did put some raisin toast in mm-hmm. the toaster and mm. make it smell like someone's just freshly baked. Mm-hmm. Yes. So then you can have like all these like dreams about the day that you'll make your own raisin <laughs> toast from scratch. Look at this kitchen. I will bake it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like the dreams I had of making hot cross buns oh, every year at Easter time. I did. No one wanted to eat them, but <laughs> I made them. No, well, I made amazing. soup and Gordon didn't want to eat that this week, so I can sympathize with you. Oh, it's a bit heartbreaking, it isn't is. it? He is a much better cook than me, though. Like yeah, much, okay. much better. I respect I respect that actually. Yeah, I yeah. was gonna say, no, I can't no, I've seen him. He makes stuff from scratch. Yeah. And in fact, when we were talking about criteria for our new home, our family home, hopefully, he was talking about how the one thing he wants is a shed to make his own sausages in. <laughs> <laughs> With a glass of red wine yep, yep, and then yeah, yep. three AW on yep. the radio or something. <laughs> In his socks and sandals, like excellent eighty-year-old man. <laughs> what, what is it? Do you think that's because? Because I was thinking about this the other day. I'm supposed to be getting some slippers every every winter. I'm like, I should buy some slippers. Mm-hmm. The problem with me is that I have very narrow feet. I always feel like I'm slipping around in slippers, <laughs> and I don't like the feel of them. I like prefer socks, except yep. so now I wear socks everywhere, except the bottoms of my socks get, get dirty. dirty. So mm-hmm. really, I think I need to start wearing socks and sandals <laughs> for that very reason. I think that would really change my life <laughs> yeah because you have the ultimate comfort of the socks yep. with the grip of the sandal true it's true it's genius yeah i'm with him yeah <laughs> and then he can maybe he should come and live in our shed yeah, he can make sausages in there i'd be, I'd be very down with that make some of his sugo yeah. is that what it is the tomato yeah Posada? yeah yeah he's yeah, making his own sauce, sauce today yep yep that's amazing he sounds cool. <laughs> well, on that note of that's a very long tangent it that is. we went down, a, rab- a very long rabbit hole. So let's begin. Okay. Um, we had sort of two things, yes. didn't we, yes. to start with um, because we decided we're not going to actually make a brand new podcast. No. That was our, after our discussion last time, we were going to make a brand new podcast all about what it feels like to be a woman in these kind of times. Yeah. But I think... When I texted you, I had that. I thought about it for ages and ages and ages. Partly in the shower because that's where my best ideas happen. A lot of people think in the shower, right? Yeah, a lot of people do. It's like people get into a meditative state in the shower. So I get it. You can't look at your phone in the shower. That's why. (laughs) Can't listen to a podcast in there until someone invents something. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> like a shower, like an iPhone or tablet waterproof screen thing. I don't know. Uh, someone just... will. Yeah. I don't want that. I don't need that in my life. I have a phone addiction as it is. I don't want that. It makes me feel nervous. <laughs> However, I've started though to feel sad when I get in the shower because I can't listen or watch anything or look at my phone. Oh. That is dangerous. <laughs> anyway, that's a whole nother change. So I was talking about in the shower and thinking about um, the podcast and we decided that when you're making things, which is what this podcast is about, mm-hmm. we kind of wanted to examine all of the stuff that makes it hard or makes it easy or makes yeah. it better to make stuff. And I think being a woman actually does make things a little bit harder yes. sometimes, I yes. think. It does. Um, I think so. Massively. Well, I mean, there has to be a reason why most of the films and, um, you know, TV mm. shows and mm. in general more of the people in boardrooms are blokes. Yeah. And, and and it's not that women can't make things. I mean, even podcasts, when we discussed this last time, one-fifth of podcasts are made by women. 
Yeah. So why is that? And so I think it's important to unpack that as part of this show. Yes, I think that that is 100% correct. It is harder for women, sadly. It just is. Some people believe it comes down to our physiological makeup. Mm. The fact that we are the child bearers and so therefore that, as well as being a blessing, is also an impediment. Mm-hmm. So, and from that comes a whole range of things, but it is good to, to think about it and discuss it, I guess. And on that note, actually, um, when we were talking about making stuff last weekend when I got home or the weekend before, after speaking to you, I ended up watching that Nanette series on, no, a comedy show on Netflix, Hannah Gadsby's mm, one. Hannah Gadsby. And it was really amazing and really heartbreaking. I didn't realize it was going to take that turn at all. If anyone who, if there is anyone that hasn't seen it, you should just watch it because it's on Netflix in Australia. Would it be on Netflix internationally, do you think? Yeah. It, yeah. yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. It's de- and she's also performing in America. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's def yeah, it's definitely on Netflix everywhere. Everyone's yeah. seen it. Um and I guess so spoiler alert spoiler alert. Alert. Spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. A spoiler alert. It's like a more advanced spoiler <laughs> alert. <laughs> nailed it. Exactly. <laughs> I've nailed this thing. Now I've coined a phrase. Mm-hmm. I love saying coined a phrase. Mm. I've been in ages. I love it. Um <laughs> so anyway, back to um Hannah Gadsby's internet. Mm. If you haven't watched it, I would go pause this show. Yeah. Go watch it and then come back to us. Yes, so good one. Off you trot, yes. friend out there. Okay. And, and if you haven't, don't leave. Stay and listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But anyway, so we will just talk about it mm. in general. We wanted to unpack that. And you also have another story as I well. do have a story. Yeah, so because I actually went and saw it live. Oh, so, so wow. So we're talking about been... Hannah Gatsby's and Annette. Yeah, yeah, that would have been amazing to see live because I initially I was watching it while I was cooking like lunches for the week. And then I got so engrossed in it that I just sat down in front of the couch and then got a little bit upset. But it's an incredible, incredible show. I guess what she talks about is how hard it is to make things, make comedy, mm. perform comedy as a woman, as a woman who's gay. Like, oh, God. Her story is heartbreaking. Mm. I mean, incredible. She's an incredibly strong person, but holy moly. Yeah. I know, super heartbreaking. There were so many things about that show that stood out to me. Yeah. One of them was her master skill at yeah. being able to play with tension. So the yeah. way she unpacks comedy, um, for anyone who's not going to watch it, I would highly recommend you do, but mm. what she does is kind of initially it's just it's sort of funny stand-up yeah. about being a lesbian. It's quite yeah. self-deprecating about yeah. about her life and who she is and it's, it's great content and fun and funny. Oh, yeah, And yeah. so you don't see the turn that's coming mm. because she's such a craftsman at building up this tension in the audience and then releasing it Mm. and she kind of teaches you that that's actually what comedy is creating tension in some way and then a valve to let you release from that tension and that makes you laugh yeah and so she shows you even when she tells you she's doing that she still she does it again and you still do that yeah and you're looking for those moments of her to crack a joke and then it becomes increasingly more full of tension yeah. and less about that those like release of the of jokes mm. um but there was lots of things that struck so one of the things that struck me was that another thing that struck me was when she talked about being self-deprecating mm. yeah did that strike you yeah i never even had considered that before mm. um before she i guess before she pointed it out i yeah. think i just assumed that that was a normal part of all comedy for all people and to some degree I guess I'm sure lots of men do a similar thing but yeah I just wonder if it's more observational for them and less self-deprecating I don't know I think that comedy comedians in general are very self-deprecating mm. it's easy what mm. what I sort of found interesting about it was that it's a defense mechanism mm. yeah. and I use it all the time so and I I mean I'm trying to not so much yeah but especially when I was younger I learned very early on that in order for people to like me, because I, because I, like we've talked about this before, yeah. I was quite a loud, opinionated, nerdy kind of kid. Yep. Not particularly like beautiful or, you know, I had a lot of kind of opinions about everything and I wanted to talk a lot about them. And I, and 
I found people just didn't like me that much. Mm. And so what I started to learn very early on is when people did like me was when I was self-deprecating. Oh, okay. Because they could then cope with me being able to do things or be good at school or good at maths or something or write some really great stuff if I could then – if I could – preface it by being really self-deprecating yeah. and f- and that and that allowed me to be funny because I think some of the easiest comedy and, I, and Hannah kind of addresses this a little bit is when you are self-deprecating it's the easiest way almost to make people laugh and disarm them yeah when you walk into a room yeah that's true that's mm. true I mean I think in life women have to be humble don't they mm. not necessarily always self-deprecating but preface all of their talent and ability and impressiveness with something that Put kind of generalizes in. them or makes them just like everyone else. Yeah. Like, you know, when you do well, you're like, oh, it wasn't that well. It was because of this external factor that made me successful. So it wasn't really me. It was something else. Yeah. I just happened to be lucky yeah. and there at the time. So exactly. yay. Yeah. Classic example yeah. is, oh my goodness, I love your top. And yeah. the other girl, and the girl goes, I, I bought it in like a dungeon for $2.50. Yeah. And it's like, look, it's got a stain on it. And I'm sure it has like, it doesn't even really fit me. It's not really my size, but thanks. <laughs> you know, you can't just be like, yeah, it was really cool. I really loved this part, this yeah. piece or yeah. something. Or yeah, you know? I really like your top oh I thought I looked really fat in it or yeah yeah no, yeah. yeah like immediately does it wash me out I don't look like I have jaundice oh okay cool thanks for yeah the <laughs> yeah right exactly it's the, it's that whole thing of and I guess everyone to a certain extent I'm sure guys are the same oh, sitting yeah. with compliments is hard but I just don't see guys doing that in the same way I like, think if they look I mean yeah you're probably right but I think if they genuinely like something about themselves I don't know whether James does this, but Goran certainly has like a level of confidence where he's like, nah, I'm awesome at this, which is yeah, good because he legitimately is. Yeah, you know? for sure. But, and, and I think that that, do you think like what Hannah was saying, that that's partly a societal thing yeah. when you're someone that is a minority and I'm sure yep. I can imagine that, I mean, we're both women, mm. but for her being a, a gay woman living yeah. in Tasmania where being gay was illegal yeah. till like 1990. Yeah. Yep. Eight? Was it 1995, 1998? Something was like Something that. so yeah. very recent. Yeah. Like I was alive then. Yeah. I was, and I wasn't a child's child. It, it, I was, you know, 11 or something if I, or 12 or however old. It, yeah. That is crazy to me. And so I guess maybe the more minority you are, the more you have to be self-deprecating. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's almost like addressing the elephant in the room before anyone else does. Mm. So I know that Silly Piccola and Luke McGregor talked about this too, that if you call yourself out on something you're not good at first. It doesn't give – it gives people like – it stops them from doing it as well, yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah, it makes other people feel comfortable because yeah. you've acknowledged it and also it, it kind of um, – makes you as a woman or someone of a minority kind of more likable or yep. seem to be more likable, I guess, or you feel that perception of that maybe yeah. and, and a bit less intimidating or yeah, or it, it protects you in a way because you've said it first. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. And so I just that kind of, and then I really noticed – it in myself, and I also notice it in most of my friends. Yeah, and then there are women who are often told that they're, or I even think about in my friendship circles, people talk about women at work or whatever mm. who are loud and opinionated and like arrogant, for want of a better word. Yeah, and I sometimes think, is it because they're loud, opinionated, and arrogant, or is it more that they are loud and opinionated and not arrogant, but sure of their abilities maybe and not self-deprecating confidence is not a attractive quality on a woman unless it relates to your physicality that's my theory oh what do you mean by that well I think like I think oh look I don't know maybe I'm contradicting myself here but I think women that are beautiful have more confidence because Mm. the one thing that they are allowed to be is uh, attractive to the rest of the world and so we spend a lot of our time beautifying ourselves to make ourselves look good for other people I mean I don't know I guess on some level you do it for your own confidence but mm. do you mean because uh, like, I think I know a lot of women who are 
considered really beautiful but deep down very insecure yes yeah you mean they're allowed to To, talk and be outspoken and confident in in a workplace yeah or in a group of girls like in a social setting yeah I think they're allowed to gesticulate and be openly confident even if they're not internally confident because there's like I don't know some signal that sort of says I don't know. Beautiful women are sort of that's something that you want to. That's something that's atta- like not not attainable for every person. So it's kind of like so a, it gives them social status. Yeah, or something. something like that. I mean, I don't know. Mm. I don't know whether whether that's a hundred percent true because I would agree with you. I know a lot of beautiful people that are not particularly internally mm. confident, but I think in terms of if you walk into a room, like I think a beautiful woman will know that she's beautiful and she will have. I don't know, a certain level of confidence or something. Um, yeah, I don't know, less of a need to impress people. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Mm. I could be entirely wrong. <laughs> yeah, because I don't know if I agree. Mm. I don't know. I, I mean, I do think that society values uh, women for their looks mm. in, as a culture Yeah, more than men. They're much more willing to judge women based on how attractive they are, what they're wearing, their clothes. Like you see that all the time with yeah, politicians yeah, yeah. and everybody. Yep. Um, and it's in successful positions as well. Women kind of not only have to be good at what they do but also beautifully oh, presented yeah. and, and all of that stuff. And definitely looking after yourself and the way that you appear gives or gives me more confidence yeah. anyway. But I don't necessarily think that, yeah, I don't know. Do you, do you think that if a woman isn't traditionally attractive, like if they're maybe, – maybe what we're trying to say, or I don't know if you're trying to say this, but mm. if a woman is traditionally very like sort of considered beautiful and yep. attractive, it's easier for them to be outspoken and opinionated yeah. because they've got this extra level of kind of social standing, whereas if women who maybe aren't considered – that kind of like, I don't know, Fitzbo model, yeah. Instagrammable face or whatever, they're not as protected from criticism? Yeah, I think so. I think it's because, I don't know uh, whether you've sort of experienced or ever heard this commentary, but if a woman is outspoken and she is not necessarily conventionally attractive, often if people disagree with her opinion, the first thing they'll do is attack her physicality. Yes. I think yes. that's kind of what I'm getting at. Yes. Yeah, that makes Cause sense. Because that's like, me. oh, this is the easiest way to dismiss her. So what? this is what I'm going to say. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? I 100% yeah. know what you mean. I saw Peter Credlin, who was the political advisor for Tony Abbott. Yep. I saw her recently. She's on Sky News and she's got her own show and she's a very conservative politician yep. and I don't agree with all her views. But she did do a great piece about – the fact that she was often attacked by male politicians and and the media within her circles, not for what she stood for, what she believed mm. in, what her policy beliefs were, what her work standard mm. was, but but her sexuality and her promiscuity. Oh yeah, mm. like the yeah. what's the name of the other senator? Sarah Hansen. Yeah, Young. yeah, who was recently. Well, she stood up in Parliament recently, just this week in the in the Australian Parliament, and I can't, um, what's his name? I can't Is remember. I don't know how Paul to pronounce Lee, his name. Le- something like that. Leon, Leonhelm, Leon, something. Leonhelm. Yeah, Leonhelm. David, David, David Leonhelm. Oh God, here we go. Well, <laughs> that guy. <laughs> yeah. And she and he had thrown some slurs at her mm. within the parliamentary sort of sphere, and she came, she went on television saying how much. Those rumours about her have been spoken about for years and she's had to put up with that kind Mm. of stuff just to be able to and just to keep doing her job. And they're not attacking her ideas and her opinions and her policies. They're attacking her sexuality and her whether or not. And and it's irrelevant who she sleeps with or how many guys she's dated or whether she finds someone attractive or not. That is absolutely irrelevant. They don't talk about guys. Completely irrelevant. And given the particular time that like literally the moment in time we're in right now where we have um, had the former Deputy Prime Minister Mm. Barnaby Joyce um, leave his wife for another woman and have a baby and all that stuff. He left his wife and his four daughters. Yeah. Um, And the rumours of his promiscuity were also well known but not really made – no one made anything about it until – 
they discovered his lover, his mistress, and was, then it became a story. Was pregnant. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, now, and but the, he even few, threw fuel on the fire to make yeah. that story yeah. even bigger. But you're right. Mm. That was obviously widely known, but it didn't stop him becoming deputy prime minister. No, it didn't. It didn't affect his career whatsoever. No, no, yeah. exactly. And it, and in fact, so many of those politicians kept going. It's a private matter. Oh it's yeah, a private. <laughs> no one should talk about it. it's a private yeah. matter. And that's when he was saying it's a private matter. Except then he threw we are under the bus yes. and was like. Oh. Actually, uh, I don't even know if the baby's mine. What? Oh, my goodness. He's a real hero. He's a hero, <laughs> that guy. I don't know what's going on with him. That's crazy. But you're right. So there's this whole idea that women are perceived, regardless of what job they're doing, whatever mm. thing they're making, whether they're an artist or a writer or a bus driver, mm. that kind of idea that what they're seen for is, A, how attractive they are mm-hmm. or how they present themselves, mm-hmm. and then, B, are they a Madonna or are they a whore? Mm. You know that kind of mm-hmm. idea mm-hmm. that either they're virginal or are they like just and interestingly sleeping around? Yeah, and interestingly, you're attacked for either one. So in Nanette, Hannah Gatsby was talking about how when she gets heckled or insulted, they often say what you need is well, essentially what you need is someone, some a man to have sex with you, then you'd be fine, sort of thing. Yes, yeah, implying that oh well, clearly she must be frigid or something, and if she wasn't, like if she'd slept with a man, then everything would be all right and your life would be better, sort of thing. Yeah. So it doesn't really matter, like, like firstly, it is irrelevant. Your sexuality is irrelevant, but I think for a woman, the way you're perceived. Whether you are on either end of the spectrum or somewhere in between, like it doesn't matter. They'll just find a reason to attack that anyway. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Because it's it's a much more simple way of thinking about a woman rather than a woman with well-rounded desires who can think for herself about what she wants and needs from a relationship mm. and with, with men or women or whoever mm. she chooses to be with just in the same way that men have their own sexuality mm. and can pursue their own wants and desires yeah. without being judged. Actually, and in fact, I have a very short story. Every time we come on to, we, we talk about something, I think about my past, like my past single life or younger life and the things I wish I should have said. Do you know what I mean? When you yes, kind of like, yes. oh, damn it, why didn't I stick up for myself? Yeah. I remember when I was like younger in my early 20s and single, I was at uh, something – a drinks thing for a friend or whatever and um, I was approached by like maybe three or four footballers and one of them started hitting on me Mm. and they all were making all these jokes which I didn't find funny Mm. because they weren't funny to me for whatever reason and one of the guys is like oh maybe you should get a sense of humor maybe you should just lighten up and I'm like and I was thinking like you're not funny and maybe you should just shut the hell up sort of Say thing. something funny to yeah. develop a sense of humour. Yeah. yeah, say something funny, relax, because you must be too uptight if you don't find me hilarious, right? <sighs> Whoa. And then and then this one, one of the footballs continued to hit on me and then he said to me, don't you know who I am? <gasps> like, I used to play for whatever. And I'm like, oh, no, I don't. And he's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. Oh, my and God. Left. And I was like, the ball's on that guy. Oh, my God. God. He was like mortified that I, and any woman clearly, and me in particular, would actually reject him. And I should be so lucky <laughs> to be approached. Like, wow. I remember that story quite clearly. And at the time, I was like, oh, I'm feeling uncomfortable. I'm just going to leave now. And yeah. now that I think about it, I should have stuck up for myself probably a bit more. I think I was a bit young. Yeah. But I also think, like, even in what you did do, that's sticking up for yourself. Yeah, maybe. Because you're not laughing because yeah. often women have to be like, <laughs> aren't you hilarious? That was so funny. Ah, tell <laughs> me know? another terrible joke. I know. <laughs> oh, you're so funny. You know, exactly. Mm. And so A, you didn't do that. And B, you weren't like, oh, my goodness, he's a footballer. Yeah. <laughs> Ugh. You know. <laughs> Swoon. Swoon. So even in that shows a high level of self-respect, I think, yeah. and Thanks. what you're willing to put up with. I mean, if I'd said something pithy, though, like something witty, <laughs> I wish I had. Yeah. I didn't. I mean, yeah, that <laughs> would have been left. wonderful. That would have been good. Maybe you can just think it, think that you did, and then convince yourself. Yep, that's yeah. what happened. <laughs> yeah. I know, but it's hard to, in the time when you're that age as well to know that yeah. too, that you that – you... They were quite – I would have to say they're like – they looked quite a bit older than I was and, like, one of them was already sort of retired or something. So, I yeah. mean, I don't know. I don't know. 
Anyways, sorry, just you. to digress for Good a moment. You, young Chanel. <laughs> I'm really impressed by that. No, thank you. Because I, I do think that there is an expectation on women that we will just laugh yeah. and be pleasant all the time. Mm. And, you know, there's no resting bitch face for guys. We talked about that the other yeah. day. Yep. And the other thing I found interesting, Hannah, was discussing because she's an art history major mm-hmm. and that idea of female representation through art mm. and when you look back it is and I went to so many of those galleries in Europe and everywhere and it's just all these women just nude kind of like half falling off things <laughs> just like you know with this like how I always out. <laughs> yeah yeah exactly with children with like breasts hanging out and just <laughs> all the time or in like super tight corsets looking like we have like a big lemon mm. some sucking on a lemon and oh, a pole yeah. up a bum just like you know, mm. tiny and restricted. Mm-hmm. And, and so there's that, so those kind of two opposing images of women mm. throughout history. And she's right. A lot of it is to do with the fact that historically the people that made the art, who mm. wrote the books, who painted the pictures that got seen, it doesn't mm-hmm. mean there were lots of women who didn't mm. write. And there were lots of women who wrote and made art, I'm sure. But generally the ones that are the famous ones, the mm. ones that are the Michelangelo, the Da Vinci's, mm-hmm. you know, the Renoir's, all those people are all men. And Correct. so it's a male view of the world. And when you grow up as a girl wanting to make stuff, even in our generation, you look around to see who's making stuff. And the majority of the art and culture and music and and things are made by men that have like lots of women too, but the ones that are like super celebrated. Yep, and and kind of go down in history as as everyone recognizing their names are more often men. Yeah, or about about stories of heroism and victory of men, mm. and then those fairy tales that we hear are all like. She was asleep for a hundred years, and he fought a dragon and saved her. Mm-hmm. You know, or she was you know, taken away by the wicked, old, evil, ugly woman and then, like, ate a poison apple and then the prince saved her, you know, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Yeah. And so I, I am really excited to see with shows like Hannah's show yeah. that, that the narrative is changing. And yeah. I also really liked the way that what she did was put her heart out there in such an honest and, and her trauma, actually, mm. which was so devastating out there. But she did it in a way that made not just women but men in the room, I think, and and guys that I've seen talk about this too, Mm -hmm. kind of understand why there would be women who are gay who would feel that way or women who've been – or why this Me Too movement is so powerful or what it's like to be a woman. And maybe part of it is that more and more women like Hannah need to just make stuff yeah, to share with share with the world, with guys, with the culture, so that they can see what it is that women have gone through for centuries. Because I think often there's so many wonderful, kind, lovely guys out there who just were blithely unaware of how easy they had it. Yeah, you know. Oh, absolutely. And and assumed that we were all happy with the way it was. Yeah, just smiled, suffered quietly. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree. I would agree with that yeah. entirely. I think yeah. the majority of guys out there are wonderful and lovely mm. and just but don't just had never thought about it. Yeah. Cuz why would you if if things of course, yeah, you know, exactly. Why would you? And that's the power of what Hannah did. I think. And if and that's yeah, and if all the art, like if all the stuff out there is telling one particular if is telling Narrative a story or. from a particular viewpoint, then how would you learn? exactly anything else like you just couldn't yeah exactly it's why we need more stories from women but Mm -hmm. also from people of color Mm -hmm. from different ethnicities Mm -hmm. from different sexualities from different um like communities who are living with different uh, varying degrees of wealth and Mm. education and what it feels like to live all over the world which Mm. is i think what great literature and art and music does Mm. is that ability and you know film and tv and all of that stuff and the handmade stuff all allows you a window into what it's like to be someone else. Yeah. You know, yeah. and that we're more the same than we Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online. You'll experience the all new Cerebral way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both, 
in a safe and judgment-free space. Your cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Yeah, different, but you have to understand the circumstances in which someone's grown up in and yeah absolutely um, and what's happened to them but yeah oh my god I just I sat at the end of watching her that show live and just sat in silence like the whole I remember the whole theater was just silent I could imagine yeah like because she leaves you hanging in the tension at the end I was kind of like I was just so horrified by the things that had happened to her and then her bravery mm. I didn't know what to do so I just didn't move I just kind of sat there for a little while as well mm. And I was just exceptionally sad that something like that could happen to someone so strong and so intelligent and so admired and you know what I mean? Mm, yeah. Yeah, absolutely do. I know. I know. And I, But I think it's also that idea that maybe younger women and um, people from the sort of LGBTQI mm. community being a minority means that you don't have power, that you don't have, and particularly back then, you mm-hmm. don't have um, the ability to voice or tell anyone. You've got so much so much shame and guilt laid on top that yeah. there isn't that ability to just go out and say what you need to say or defend yeah. yourself against that kind of stuff. And that the more that we talk about it, the, the more that, it, and when you're younger, you don't have any money, you don't have hmm. any kind of, understanding of your own power and that's what scares me for young women I think they Mm. don't often understand I I think it's changing now I think it is too and I think there's more vehicles for them these days or platforms for them to be able to express themselves in a way that's sort of cheap and accessible and right they never certainly never used to be and that's it's it's only a good thing that they're able to get their voices Mm. out there more that actually, I was thinking about that mm. um, the other day with Instagram mm. because, and Twitter and, you know, Facebook to a lesser extent too, but I think Instagram particularly mm-hmm. has enabled, and the internet, because before that women were sort of in their houses raising the kids, right? Mm-hmm. And how do you do something from your home? Mm. Like exactly. before there was the internet, how do you, I mean, you can, I don't know, start making stuff and selling it, but where are you selling it? You have to be able to go out of your home Correct. with kids or whatever you're doing out into the community to build a business. Whereas now the internet has enabled women's voices to get out there yeah. in the hour that their kid's napping, Yep. in the hour that they're, you know, that their kids are listening to music or they've gone to, you know, daycare or whatever. So that, and you can build an entire business online yeah and and instagram enables you also to not only build a business but use your voice yep and and images and create art and get it out there on an even playing field yep. and can and connect with all these other women all yeah. over the world and people in general and i mean yeah this is more broadly just a people thing but it enables anyone who has been voiceless before to have an equal footing to develop and find find a voice yep yeah which i think is why too, we're hearing all of this stuff now because the internet's enabled that to happen. Mm. So in a way, as much as social media and all that stuff, it can be really absorbing and awful. It can Mm. also, it's also enabled and empowered. Oh, absolutely. too. A hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, with more voices out there, you're obviously going to have more crap out there, but you're also going to have more great stuff out there as well. Ah. So you got to take, you got to take the bad with the good. Yeah, Um, definitely. But yeah. I couldn't agree more. I think, and I, I honestly think that the younger generation is becoming more confident in their abilities, and mm. young women are becoming more confident with their bodies and who they are. I mean, obviously, it's still they're still learning about themselves, but um, are less apologetic. I mean, mm. I know that's my experience. Yeah, anyway. yeah. Um, that's something I'm really trying to work on is yeah. be less apologetic yeah, and self-deprecating. I think, yeah, I mean, I think maybe our like our generation is probably 
maybe the last of that group who were just like, I'm just not going to question you because you're older and you must know better or more mm. than I do. And it's not to say that you shouldn't be, which actually leads me on to my next point, the story I was going to tell you. Like you should always be respectful of other people's opinions. But sometimes, and I still struggle with this sometimes, is like at what point do I allow myself to be heard and at what point do I step back and let things play out on their own? Do you know mm. what I mean? Yep, yep, 100%. Um, so I had a meeting last week with – so the, the board that I work for, they've just recently hired a consultant and um, I had a meeting last week with um, the project team that um, whose work is reviewed by my board and their consultant and my boss and our consultant because – the project team, um, the project team's consultant has taken big, like a huge issue with um, my board hiring their own advisor, oh. and the reason that that advisor has been hired is essentially because they weren't getting what they wanted from the other consultant. So that's like long story short, they were hoping to get particular kind of work and content from this person. They never got it, so they went and sought their own advice, okay. which is fine. It's in yeah. their yeah. they have the complete right and um, ability to do so. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was asked to go to the meeting. So I went along to the meeting because I wanted to discuss what role our consultant would play. And what I encountered was um, a woman who was very angry at the meeting and incredibly disrespectful and yelling and talking over the top of people and cutting people off. Mm. And she wasn't just doing it to me. But she was, and she was doing it to most of them, but I found that she kind of just was slightly more patient with them than she was with me. And at one point I asked a question and she was exceptionally rude and didn't even let me finish. And I said, oh, I said, I'm just asking the question because I don't understand. And she wouldn't even let me finish the fact that I was trying to explain myself. Mm. So at a point in time, because I couldn't be bothered dealing with someone who clearly wasn't open to a rational thought or even a line of questioning I just stopped talking and I think at that moment I was probably not – it was not the proudest moment in my life. I feel like, you know, when you when you reflect back, I'm like, I should have said something. Mm. But I didn't because I just wanted it to be over and I'm like, well, this is pointless because you can say what you like but effectively the board can do whatever they want so I'm not even sure why we're here. Anyways, I kind of reflected on it overnight um, and then just decided to get over it because I think when you work in legal in particular, you develop a very thick – skin you have to otherwise you don't stay working in that industry people are always trying to have intellectual arguments and be the smartest person in the room so I've I've gotten used to bravado and people trying to show their level of power and people playing games in meetings and in order to get the result they effectively bully people and um, you know that's their choice if they think it's effective fine that's not the way that I choose to work and never do to me, my manner and the ability to work well with me is a really important thing and I think it served me well in my career and I let it go. But essentially what happened is my boss was very irritated at the way that this woman behaved and he rang me the day after and he said, look, I just wanted you to know I didn't think that the things she said were appropriate. He's like, and I'm very disappointed that that was allowed to happen. And he said, ordinarily, he's like, I wouldn't have let it happen, but I just, for the sake of getting the meeting over and done with, I just didn't, I wanted to just keep going. So I didn't. And he's like, I'm really sorry. I didn't. Um, and I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. Thank you for saying that. And he said, also, I've spoken to the project team leader and I told him I was really disappointed mm. with what happened and that he needed to speak to her. He's like, so he sends his apologies too. And I was like, okay. And he said, oh, and also he's going to speak to her and she's going to apologize to you. Wow. And I was like, wow, I've never had that kind of reaction from a manager before to the point where he felt like he needed to protect, like it was some level of protecting my integrity or my dignity or something, I don't Mm. know, which was quite sweet. And just interestingly, I think the things that women are willing to accept men aren't. And I think that was kind of the point that I was getting to was like, because I've just realized I'm younger than the people and in, in this particular arena, I'm quite a bit younger than a lot of the people in the room. Um, everyone has, seems to have opinions on things and most people respect that, that express them respectfully. And in this situation, that is, was not the case. 
and I was saying to I was saying to Goran, um, it really upsets me that women need to feel the need to put other women down in public or undercut them, mm. or because there's because there's a way to express yourself. And to the credit of our consultant, she was actually brilliant. She was rational. She was logical. She explained the reasoning behind you know why she thought it was necessary for her to be there never raised her voice, never cut anyone off. And she came across as the most impressive person in the room. And that is someone mm. that I would admire. That's somebody I'd want to be like. Um, but I was saying to her, and I'm like, maybe it's a matter of, you know, there's too many women in the room and I need to put this person down because it makes me look better or like I couldn't quite make sense of it. Yeah. And I don't know whether it was a personality thing, like whether it was just that's just the way that she is. But um, I have to say, reflecting back on my career in the public service, women, people that tend to behave like that tend to be women of a certain age and I don't know why that is. Mm. I don't know. Do you have any opinions on why you think that is? <sighs> <laughs> because this do. is fraught. This is a really <laughs> fraught thing to talk about. Um, cause yeah, obviously I've worked with a lot of women in my mm. job as a teacher. Um, I don't know because I've worked with great people who are men and women and not so great people mm. to work with who are men and women. Yeah. So I don't know whether it's a personality thing and that we're harsher on women who are, who are labeled as difficult. Okay. And yep. guys who are we think are difficult, we're just like, oh, well, he's annoying. Yeah, because, I mean, I have to – I mean, look, there, I mean? there have been rare circumstances where men have been incredibly inappropriate at meetings, but that is – it's never yielded that kind of result for me ever. Mm. They'd be like, oh, that guy's an asshole. Sorry, you were right. And that would be the end of it. Yeah. Was the, the behavior worse from this woman um, than from guys that you've, you've experienced the same thing? I would thing? say it was no more abhorrent than – other things that men have said or other things that men have done. But, and I don't know, I also don't know whether it's because for the most part in the public service, up until you get to a certain level, it is mostly women. So maybe it's literally just saturation of women. There's more women around. So in a group of people and there's a proportion of people that can't work well with others because it's mostly women, then it ends up being women. Maybe that's, it could just be the numbers type yeah. of thing as well. I wonder sometimes too, because I have seen this in sort of, older women, mm. I guess, instead of middle-aged women, and, I mean, I'm approaching probably middle-aged too, mm. but I do think that that generation there is sometimes a sense of anger that comes across. Yeah. And I am starting to understand that, and I think maybe it, it does come from a place of, like what we were talking before, younger women have value in society. You see them everywhere. Mm. Like youth and beauty, there is something about youth and beauty where people kind of listen to them and, mm -hmm. or not even, not necessarily listen to them, but they're valued for what they look like. Mm -hmm. And so the mm. men yep. notice you when yep. you walk into a room and you're a younger woman, yep. they notice you. Yeah. And I have heard from older women, and I don't want to speak out of turn because I think this issue should, we should probably talk to someone who is an older woman mm. to get their perspective. But I've heard from people that after a certain point, you start to become invisible as right. a woman, as an older woman, and that in order to feel valued or heard, it becomes harder okay. and you, and people react to you like you're shrill and uh, or irrational or kind of like I think we're culturally conditioned to kind of be more okay with guys being um, inappropriate. inappropriate than women. I think we've, yeah. we're a bit harsher on women. Maybe, who yeah, that, I mean, that might be the case. I mean, I think there's no need in a workplace for that level of like unprofessionalism. That's no. Like I just I could, don't, I don't, yeah. I wouldn't stand for it. If I was a manager, like if I was in my boss's position, I would like to think I would have done the same thing mm. for a staff member. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Sounds like he did a great job. Yeah, no, he did. He managed it wonderfully. Um, and I think it's appropriate that someone spoke to her, but I just wonder, would that have happened if it was a different, if it was a guy and not a woman? Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. And I certainly would never want to come across as threatening to anyone else. And 
would like to add value to a process and also interrogate situations and critically think about things mm. as well. And the reason I ask questions is just because I want to understand. And the reaction, I think, was what got me. I was like, why is this person being so aggressive? Yeah. Literally yelling, like yelling over the top of me while I was speaking. I'm like, that's wow. not necessary. That often comes, doesn't it, from someone being insecure? Possibly. Of like their own, you know, in – I've seen that happen where if you're asking questions, you genuinely are just curious, but mm. they're taking it as a criticism. Yeah, maybe. Of them. And I don't know. And I've seen it happen with guys and with women. Yep. Um, both equally. That if you're quest- some people who aren't sure of themselves for whatever reason, whether it's because they've taken on a job that maybe they're not completely across mm. or their personality or something happening in their personal life where they aren't actually secure in themselves enough to say, tell me more about that. I don't, I yep. didn't know that. Or, or rather than taking on sort of criticism as, or qu- taking on questioning as criticism yep. of them. And possibly, yeah. And, and that can cause kind of like overreactions and aggression. Yeah, maybe. I mean, the, the thing is the consultant that's doing the work for the board is a, also a woman who's a bit older, in fact, older than the other one. Mm. And she handled herself so well. That's so, what I mean. I don't mm. know if it's because she's a woman. Yeah. And I think it might just be her yeah. personality. It was just, yeah, it was just her reaction to me seemed quite odd, like in comparison to everybody else in the room who was also asking questions and expressing opinions. Mm. It was like, she has an issue with me. She doesn't know me. I don't understand what the problem is here. <laughs> some some older women do have and I say older like everyone No, well that's growing, the thing is like know, I'm age. in my 30s. I'm not like, you know, I'm not a 21-year-old grad. So like no, fair enough, you know. But some but you are an attractive woman and very clever and some women do get threatened by that. Mm. There's an there's, and maybe because I don't know historically there were less women in the room and so to get mm. where you need to be you have to be cutthroat and having a younger woman around who's attractive and and good at her job is they kind of see it as a threaten as yeah. a threatening thing rather than a embracing all women and rising together. Yeah. There can be and I have seen that happen too. This real idea that where if you're young and up and coming then you're someone to be put down. Or in case you take their job or something. Yeah, yeah. in case you take that, or maybe there's a seed of jealousy somewhere in yeah, there too. I don't, know. I don't know. I hope I'm never like that with with younger women when the time comes. You know, like I just it's interesting because um, to me that I find sometimes the older generation tends to put down the younger generation and mm. young women in particular. Um, women in their twenties because oh they're not experienced so how would they know. Mm. but I have to say in my time, especially in the public service, the women are smart and they are really hardworking and they are super easy to work with and they also think critically and don't necessarily accept an answer just because it's an answer Um, and they're also willing to call people out and they're actually really easy to work work with Um, and I don't know whether I just – tend to empathize with the younger women but um I mean that said that said there are a lot of women who are older in the public service that are my mentors so I wouldn't I'm not discounting them as a group of people that's not sort of what I'm getting at but I just think in my experience that seems to be the case I just yeah and it just I've been trying to figure out why in my head like why that is. Why, yeah. what is that? You you sometimes feel like there's a, a certain cohort of older women that don't, aren't kind React of. React to me really strangely, like in yeah. a way that's sort of unnaturally aggressive or abrasive or, and I, I'm like, is it something I said? I'm like, I barely said anything. <laughs> sometimes I'm not saying anything at all. Yeah, I think that um, James has just snuck into the room. You <laughs> can't James. sneak in here, Stealth. James. We'll call you out <laughs> on it. <laughs> oh goodness gracious! Okay, give, well, give it up. Enjoy. <laughs> We're nearly done. Um, I do think that there is a need for women, like of whatever age, to embrace and work together Mm. and lift up the women that are coming next 
and coming Absolutely. through. I do think that. And I also do think, and I, I, I don't know if I'm, this is a generalization, hmm. but there is a certain feeling. If you're an attractive woman, some, uh, some women do find that threatening. Yeah, right. For whatever reason. Yep. Yeah. No, are you Probably yeah, jealousy. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But again, that's a issue of so you're placing the value you're placing value on me on my youth because mm. I am younger than you. <laughs> I'm not young anymore. <laughs> you are, but I know what you mean. No, but but I think it's yeah. because society has kind of taught us that. Yeah. That yeah. if you're young and attractive, and uh, you know that that there's something about aging aging women that isn't attractive, mm. and I completely call that out as wrong. I, yep. just, I think some of the most attractive women are women who have lived to a point where they've grown into their own skin. Yeah. And you see these women in their 40s and their 50s who are wise and have looked after themselves and eat well and exercise and have, you know, been through weathered so much and then are so beautifully groomed and put together. Oh, so, man, and the most stylish women I know are women in their 50s. Aren't they? My God. Mm. And you see them and when when they're in their power, which is what you kind of can say, mm. it's wonderfully attractive mm. and incredible. Oh, and, yeah. I mean, it's probably easy for me to say at 32, maybe I'll feel differently at 52. Yeah. But I do see women like I was watching Oprah Winfrey talk about it. <laughs> And with Maria Shriver, she did in a podcast episode mm-hmm. about this very thing. There's this real pressure, and I've heard multiple friends talk this talk to me, quite close friends, about Botox and how they've started oh, to think yeah. about getting yep. it. And it, and I, I, both times I probably went a bit over the top with like oh, the politics and women and culture. <laughs> but I just think that there is something so wonderful about a woman aging gracefully. Oh yeah, and that. I mean, look, obviously maybe it'll be different when I'm in their shoes or however, but I just think there's women in their 20s getting Botox now to freeze their faces and it is a real cultural kind of thing. So I can see how if you're a woman in her 40s or 50s, and I hope it's changing now, but culturally you, you don't see yourself reflected back and you see value placed on younger women and, you know, and that that's beautiful and then... There are there are some women that I can see do that that they find you threatening and mm. and, and they probably don't, are unconscious of yeah why. I think it's an unconscious bias for sure yeah but I mean you can learn from them and they can learn from you it's mm. a mutual mm-hmm. like it's a mutual thing honestly some of the smartest women women I know are women in their like twenties and um, I always think to myself like they could be my boss one day and I'd be totally cool with that wow yeah. They're so smart. They're so capable. They're just great to work with. Happily would report to them. No problem at all. Mm-hmm. And in fact, some of my peers, like women my age, I'm like, I, I would totally work for you. I've got no problem with that. Yeah. Um, and I don't know whether it's just generational, it's changing because especially, I don't know whether you feel this way, but I certainly feel like there, there is a place for me in society as a working professional in some capacity yes. and there always will be. Yes. In my mind, I don't think, oh, well, getting older now, might as well just have kids and give up on life. Like that's, you know, yeah. stop, stop being a, a visible, like you say, like yes. visible to the world. I don't ever see myself becoming invisible, so maybe that's why I'm okay with it. Yeah. Because, I don't know. Yeah, I, I do think, and I, I see, again, I want to talk to someone who's actually lived through this generation. Mm. I don't want to speak for them, but I have been curious about this, that growing up in a cult, in, like in the same, in a culture that of 50 years ago, where you don't have the internet, you don't yep. have Instagram, you don't have, you know, you just have the women's movement that comes in the 70s. Yeah. But before that, there's this idea of kind of housewife and mother. And, and once you have kids, you're no longer kind of um, important in a work space. Mm. That if you grew up in that, and then, and you grew up kind of not being valued for your thoughts and your opinions and mm. what you can contribute, but what you look like or who you are as a as a mother, which is also a really valuable and, and incredibly um, oh, wonderful it, job. Absolutely. But but I wonder if that makes you angry. Like if you hit to yeah, a certain point and you go, okay. how how unfair! I worked my ass off to still have a job, to still have a career, and there were not many of me, and I put up with a hell of a lot to get here. And then there's all these women that just seemingly, which is not true, but seemingly yeah. coast in. Yeah being able to do all of these things and have all this information and have all this power that I had to 
scrimp and suffer and mm. scratch my way there. And and what's sad about it is those women you can I've met some women who kind of they're angry at the world. Yeah, angry at the world mm. and have this sort of defeatist view. Mm. And initially you feel like, well, God, mate, just you know, it's things aren't that bad. Pick yourself up. Mm. You can change your own world. You can change your own destiny. You can change mm. the way that you perceive things. You mm. can grow and develop. But we forget, I think, sometimes that it's much easier for us because we had women that went before us. That oh, yeah. And battles. of course, of course, it's been an easier. Yeah. Like, I would say, I certainly don't think I've not worked hard to get where no, I am. Absolutely but, have. Yeah. yeah. But it is certainly has, would have been easier for me than it would have been for the generation before me. And mm. I just wonder, maybe it's a matter of like literally having the generations sit down with each other and talk about the difficulties that they've experienced so they can be some more mutual respect. Yeah. Because on some level, okay, sure, um, I totally accept that it would have been a bloody hard slog and it would have been it would have been an exceptionally um difficult environment to become successful in that you know when you're already looked at as oh well you're a woman so therefore there's going to be less opportunity for you straight away mm. whereas the younger generation I guess would see it differently there is also a, an element of well, the younger generation just has more competition because everyone also mm-hmm. thinks I'm capable, I'm competent, I'm going to get mm-hmm. this opportunity. So there's difficulties for every generation, yeah. And maybe it's a matter of understanding other people's each other's perspectives, yeah. Because there's also the pressure of our generation to make Instagram looking worthy, perfect lives. Yes, you know all of that, and pressure. be good at everything, yeah, and not just be a great mum, but also what is it? Work like you don't have kids mm. and then um, have kids like you don't have to work. Mm-hmm. That idea of having it all and being perfect and, mm-hmm. and rather than having that shared role, which is I think where we need to move. If, if women are going to be in the workforce, then men need to have the freedom to be able to step back if they want to to make it work. And what if, I mean, I'm just, just, I'm just guessing here, but like I'm sure there are men out there that actually maybe want – to have feel like they have the freedom to actually do that as well mm, and there are men doing it mm. i mean james is one of those yeah and i think there's a lot of men out there that maybe would want to do that yeah to be able to be there with their kids and yeah. spend time with their families and invest in all that i absolutely think but also it's not yeah healthy to yeah oh totally i mm. mean also things like that are tradi- were traditionally women's roles men are probably getting interested in doing and quite good at like as I said, Goran loves to cook and he's a lot better at it than me. Yeah. And I think the reason he does the majority of the cooking is probably because he doesn't want to eat my food and that's okay. Yeah, <laughs> I'm totally, yeah. James has started cooking way more. I love it. I'm, the, I'm so, because that's the thing, like exactly right. It's that shared load. Mm. It's, it's, you know, there are a whole lot of things that need to get done in a house to keep things functioning as well as looking after kids or whatever it is. And that load should be shared. Emotional mm. labor needs to be shared so that everything can chuff along and we can both feel looked after because when you're happier, they're happier and vice versa. Yep. Cause yep. It's a, and that's a true partnership. Yep. Um, and the, by women having, I just wonder, I can't even imagine how you would feel as someone who's maybe gone through with a perspective on life that you that's not shared. You've done everything. Yeah. You've done all the emotional labor. You've raised the kids. You've, like Barnaby Joyce's wife. Yeah. You've done everything. You've raised the kids. You've looked after the behind the scenes of his mm. career. You've done all of the mundane, everyday things for 30 years. And then you hit, I don't know, in your 50s or 40s. Mm. And suddenly your husband decides to go off with a younger mm. version because he's ready to, you know, in the twilight years of his career, relax more or, yeah. you know, and, and so you can see that there must be reasons why there's women of a certain age who are angry, but that doesn't serve them and it's not fair no, and, or professional. No, no, sense. it doesn't. It certainly doesn't serve them. And it also sadly gives people a, a an opportunity to generalize and to also just dismiss them. Mm. And that's what makes me sad about the situation because I'm like maybe this person is really competent and capable she probably is maybe she's having a shit day I don't know like it could be a range of things but the only thing you're left feeling is why is that why do women of a certain age be so like why are they always so angry sort of thing and that's shit I hate the fact that that was where my mind went straight away if it was a guy doing it do you think that you would have thought 
why is this guy so angry? I would have just thought, why is he angry? Like, not it's not a reflection know. on all men. Yeah, I mean, I you I know? don't know. I think if they were that unprofessional, mate, I would have certainly thought, what's wrong with this person? Maybe. Yeah. So do you reckon? Maybe not gendered to them. I don't know. Yeah, because I sometimes wonder that if we sometimes gender women ourselves as women. Oh, yeah, of course we <laughs> So do. we like use that thing where you're the only woman in the room or you're the – or if a woman acts out, then she's a representative of her entire gender. Mm. If a guy acts out, he's representative just, of just himself. Yeah. yeah, yep. And I sometimes wonder that too. I don't know. Oh, God, this is also complicated. Yeah, I, I don't think anyone knows the right answer. No, I don't think so No, either. but I do think it's important to talk about. Yeah. And, and I do also think it's important – you're right, to have conversations with women who are younger than you and older than you to try and get that wisdom and perspective on mm. some of this stuff because having lived through what they've lived through, you wonder how different you would be if you were in their shoes. And, totally. And totally. all of that stuff. And we've got, you know, the ability to voice all of this stuff. And, the, um, yeah, I, d- I wonder about it. I absolutely do. Mm. Yeah. Well, we've talked for so long. <laughs> I think we need to finish. Okay. And there's been some there's been some interruptions. There was a baby monitor that went off. There was James coming in with a laptop. There's a whole lot of things happening. And I kept readjusting my headphones. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Okay. Well, shall we finish there? Yes. Okay. Bye, Chanel. Bye, Claire. Bye. You've been listening to a podcast called Just Make the Thing with me, Claire Tonti and Chanel Luchev. You can find Chanel at Bend Yoga Melbourne and you can find me over on Instagram, which is my favourite of the social medias, at Claire Tonti, or you can go on Twitter at Mrs. Sunday Movies. And for more shows, go to planetbroadcasting.com. We've got lots there. We've got embedded players so you can listen away to your heart's content and click around and look at some of our other shows as well. You can also find out about our charity campaign or follow the link in the show notes below. And if you happen to also listen to The Weekly Planet, we have just launched a really cool Planet Broadcasting limited edition shirt. So with Mr. Koya as a collaboration, which has been really fun. So that's my husband's show, The Weekly Planet with Nick Mason. So go out there and grab yourself a shirt if you uh, like that kind of thing. Mason designed it himself. He's a bit of a shirt connoisseur, that guy. Okay, that's it from me today. Nanette can be found on Netflix and it's also running over in America. Um, uh, Hannah Gadsby is performing over there, so you can go check it out. That's all from me. Have a great week. Keep making stuff and uh, I'll see you around like a whistle, I think. <laughs> Hi, I'm Dave. I'm Jess. And I'm Matt. And together we are the Do Go On podcast. Jess, what the hell does that mean? Well, it means that each week one of us presents a report on a topic suggested by a listener. It can be a person, a place, a thing, a time in history, a feeling. We haven't done any on feelings, but <laughs> I'm not ruling it out. <laughs> hey, we could anytime soon. Now, Matt. Where do you suggest these kind folks start? I think if they're Planet Broadcasting fans, maybe a great spot to start would be Mr. Sunday Movies episode about Star Wars history or maybe even Meso, a.k.a. Uh, the internet celebrity Nick Mason, mm. and his episode about the Marvel Universe and its history. It was a bloody good one. Bloody ripper. Now, if any of this sounds at all of interest to you, you can check us out on iTunes, Spotify, or, of course, planetbroadcasting.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.